0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It is the biggest show we've had to date. Our BFP Awards, we're recapping the entire season with nominations from some special guests for all categories, such as Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, MVP, and more, all here on a special awards episode of the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, sponsored by Link I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the magnificent Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. And now, Chargers Wire. Congrats on that, my friend. Not only do we have seven awards to discuss and hand out, we asked our guests to also send in their biggest fantasy pet peeves. So we'll discuss that in a little bit. Cole also has to get something off his chest. He hasn't told me what it is again. So it will be a surprise to you and me. Definitely someone you don't want to miss. And then we have the best of your playoff hot takes as sent in by you. A little twist on our fan Q&A. I ask people, send in your biggest hot takes for the postseason. We'll react to them. Loaded show absolutely loaded show what better way to kick off the 2021 2022 playoffs
1: dude i'm so excited to be back too um mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the last week i've been absent like there was something missing in my life and it was the yeah. breakout football podcast so I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to be activated off of ir return from covid Voice is a little still a little hoarse still a little sore i'll probably be coughing at points through the show so i'll be make sure to mute but it's, it's good to be back and no better way to return for fantasy football awards. And, of course, those hot takes. I was looking at them earlier. We got some spicy ones, man.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to get to all of them. Definitely grateful to have you back, too, that you are safer and healthier now. It was tough doing it solo last week. It's a lot a harder champ, to talk dude. to yourself. Really You're tough.
1: Camp. champ. I mean, we, oh. we got to have like a, a quick moment of applause for that because I, I was listening to the episode back and – you always come with the same energy, like every single week. And despite have, not having me to bounce ideas off of or provide extra commentary, you still knocked it out of the park.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, man. It means a lot coming from you. Luckily, we have each other this episode. And we also have some help from some very special guests. I enlisted the help of former guests on the show Dave Kluge, Luke Sawhook, Jamie Eisner, Nathan Janke, Jack Miller. And, of course, Sam Hoppin. All guests who have been on the show, I asked them a simple question. Hey, can you fill this out? <laughs> can you fill this out? I gave them seven awards to fill out, including one of their biggest pet peeves, something to discuss later. So why don't we start with Rookie of the Year? Obviously, this is our fantasy awards, so this will not encompass defensive players. This will not encompass offensive linemen. Sorry to all you Creed Humphrey truthers out there. This is not hmm. that type of show. Instead. They've been they've
1: been going strong, the As past few weeks should. on Twitter.
0: As they should. Maybe one day, someone will figure out a way to translate offensive lineman production to fantasy. Maybe some way. Until then, only two players. Know, the, the
1: position like hardly has any stats. So, uh, yeah, it'll it's going to take tough. like a revolution of of people tracking offensive lineman <laughs> stats to bring them into fantasy football relevance.
0: Hey, if we, if we can put uh, machines on the moon, I'm sure we can find a way to attract some grown men playing football. Anyway, the Rookie of the Year. Nominations among these six people, these six votes. Only two names cast, and I'm a little surprised. Nah, I won't say I'm too surprised, because four of them said Jamar Chase. Two of them said Najee Harris. So that's what we have to work with. Any glaring omissions, takeaways from the rookie of the year nominations before we crown the winner?
1: Uh, I mean, I think I'm on Ross St. Brown. You could definitely make a case just because his his last like 10 game pace was so torrid. But I'm, I'm happy with these two names. Uh, I feel like any, any more than two names for, for rookie of the year for fantasy is a little bit, you know, out there. So I think Mm -hmm. two is a nice variety. Maybe throw in like a three, a third name as a sleeper. But I'm happy with these two picks.
0: Definitely. Now, I will have to say before we decide who we should win, uh, Najee Harris was the RB3, and Jamar Chase was the wide receiver 5. If you recall, when Derrick Henry went down, we both predicted who would be the next RB1. And you said Mixon, and I said Harris. Now, to your credit, Harris did finish ahead of Mixon, but he also did miss Week 18. Najee played that week. Najee outscored Mixon by 13 points all season long. RB2 was Austin Eckler. RB1 was Jonathan Taylor. So we were both wrong. I'm willing to chalk it up to relatively even, too, because who knows how many points Mixon would have scored if he had played in Week 18, a meaningless Week 18.
1: Yeah, we don't really care about Week 18, right?
0: Yeah, no. How some people were playing fantasy in Week 18, at least redraft, is beyond me. Best ball, DFS, guillotine, sure, I'll take it. Anything else, though? not so sure
1: i had a league mate lobbying earlier today to change our fantasy championship to week 18 and he was promptly shut down Mm -hmm. by not only me two other league mates but also the commissioner so right i'm I'm glad like other people have the same amount of sanity
0: yeah in my league so i am the commissioner so i have to deal with all these goofballs and (laughs) what 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 Why had one league mate who was like, why the playoffs start so early? We should push it back so that we play in week 18. And I'm just (laughs) looking at him like, what are you talking about? You're the one with a 12 team league. You're the one who wants six people in the playoffs. I'll take four. I'll take six. I don't mind. Um, And just like if you want six players and you want half the league in the playoffs, you're going to have to start it a week earlier than normal.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm game for that. Make a six team playoff, but move it up a week.
0: Yeah, it's totally fine just because you're doing it a week earlier than the perception of what the rest of the fantasy community – that's fine. Anyway, I think that the, that's kind of dipping into our pet peeves, which we'll get to a bunch We're later. Really ambitious there. Yeah, but for now, our Rookie of the Year's – I, my vote is going to be Jamar chase. I just think with everything that he was surrounding him heading into this season, a lot of, a lot of doubt based off just a few measly preseason performances. I think there's a better chance you had more success. If you drafted him rather than you drafting Najee Harris while Harris did finish as RB three in points per game, just RB eight, which again is still pretty good, but I just think you got more bang for your buck for chase throughout the season. Even though I do agree, Najee Harris as a top three running back probably has more value than a wide receiver five. What say you? Do you agree, disagree?
1: Yeah, it probably has more value, but I would argue Chase's ADP makes him the um, rookie of the year for fantasy, because you most likely drafted Najee Harris as your running back to in the second round, third round if you were if you were lucky. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, he probably even went first round in some drafts. So I I think for me, like Jamar Chase's ADP after those preseason games was riding a rock bottom just because (laughs) of the drop issues, because people didn't think he was getting enough separation Um, all the all the flaws in college that he that he showcased right and it was kind of like confirmation <clears> bias like oh this is his first NFL action we're seeing the flaws that we kind of predicted might pop up early in his career and they did pop up earlier earlier in his career but right. they popped up in the games that didn't really matter and so <laughs> what I mean eventually happened was uh he broke Ocho, Ocho Cinco's franchise receiving record this season only Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel had more yards than after catch than him so I think if you were able to get that type of ca- that type of caliber of player, the wide receiver five in fantasy football this season in like the ninth round, then I think that's a pretty strong case for offensive rookie of the year.
0: And there you have it, the BFP rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. Uh, I would Not s- offensive
1: rookie of the year, I guess offensive rookie of the year, but yeah, year.
0: I was I was about to say he's probably the offensive rookie of the year too, but for the case oh, of hand this show, huh?
1: Hand him both awards.
0: Yeah, sure. Why not? You can do both. So that's our first award. And before we get into our (laughs) second one, which is Breakout of the Year, fitting the Breakout Football Podcast's Breakout of the Year, we got to talk about a new breakout app on the market, LinkMe. If anyone has downloaded the app, then you would know how many people have been joining in the past few days. I think in a week alone, I've seen 500 new links just alone on my page. It is blowing up. It is a perfect place, not only to connect with other people, but to share links across your network. You can go to my page, Zach Cohen, at Zach Cohen on link me, and you can see all of my content, all of my pages, my Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Venmo, TikTok, YouTube it's all right there for you and it's so easy to share you can just scan someone's qr code from their link me profile you will link with them you'll have all their contact info in one place super easy that's link me l-i-n-k-m-e on the app store or however you get your apps appreciate them for sponsoring the show all year long and continuing to do so of course and with that Breakout of the year candidates. We got one, two, three, four, five different candidates. Seven votes among six people because Luke Sahuck decided Good to send two. And I'm kind of glad he did. So here are the nominations for Breakout of the Year Cooper Cup, Cordero Patterson, Debo Samuel, James Connor, and Jonathan Taylor. So one more time Cup, Samuel, Connor, and Taylor. Any names that immediately stick out?
1: I mean, CPAT, right? Okay. And he's back from the dead, kind of in his Devo Samuel element, which I like. is a name here, and you could make a case for him here. But it, it just kind of seemed like Cordell Patterson was kind of seen as like the bench filler in Atlanta. Like he was going to be, you know, he's going to fill the gadget role like he has been the past three seasons uh, for the Bears Patriots. Um, I don't even know what team he was on before that. But – yeah, for me it's Cordell Patterson. I don't think anyone expected him to have the season that he did, mm-hmm. um, just in the versatile role that the Falcons used him in. And just because the Falcons were such a bad team this season, <laughs> he he made them watchable. Right. So for me, that's that's CPAT.
0: And it made it even more frustrating that he was used at mostly as a wide receiver, but at the same time, he's labeled as a running back. Like he was, he was seeing that dual type of role for the Falcons up until his drop off in week 14, which I'll get to in a second. He was a top five fantasy running back and a top seven fantasy wide receiver. He was just that good. What intrigues me. And I think sways me from Patterson. I'm not bashing on his breakout. He was a great value for any fantasy team is that in the likelihood that you made the championship, which is a pretty high likelihood with Patterson, the chances are that he was invisible in your championship or playoffs is also pretty high. 4.3 points in week 15, 8.3 points in week 16, 7.2 in week 17, and if you played for some reason in week 18, 2.2 points. So if it was a tight race, I would say – he kind of took himself out of the running a little bit there. Obviously, it's not entirely his fault that Falcons offense was Alcatraz. a bore to watch. Yeah, <laughs> At the terrible. end of the
1: season, sounds like.
0: Right. So, and look, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, obviously had fantastic seasons. We will talk about them later. How's that for foreshadowing? I don't know if they're the breakouts. They're the player. You want the player who was drafted low and helped you win your league. James Conner is a good pick from Nate appreciate that but again it wasn't a consistent full season long thing especially when he missed a couple weeks during the playoffs and again he had a top 10
1: season earlier too right oh yeah
0: he was great I mean, he started off really slow then Chase Edmonds got hurt and he really started a ball so he had a really good season but to me And I don't want to say clear winner here, but my favorite, I'm planting my flag on the overall wide receiver three, Debo Samuel. This was a guy coming into the season whose ADP, according to fantasy pros, was wide receiver 35. Do you know how he responded? He responded by averaging 21.2 fantasy points. The worst game he had all season was 10.2. He had... Four games below 16, if my math is correct. So, to me, if you drafted Samuel, you probably went pretty far unless the rest of your team stunk. To me, he's the breakout player of the year. What what do you think? It seems like – is it a gridlock? Like, are you stuck on Patterson? Because I could go Patterson. I'm just pretty more sold on Samuel over CPAT.
1: I kind of like Samuel for another category. Um, okay, I just okay. kind of like the allure and the magic of, of CPAT. Um, but yeah, the, the rest of the names mm-hmm. on this list, like Connor, we already discussed cup. He was kind of already good before this. He, he just reached a, ascended to another tier of, of fantasy production this season. And, and rightfully so. And and Jonathan Taylor was a breakout, Um, but I feel like Jonathan Taylor was so hyped coming in, into this league. Like we were just kind of expecting him to be this good. And so yeah, it, for me it's between cpat and Debo I just like debo for another another category
0: down the road that's a good point that that is a good point because it, it, these the, the categories are relatively similar so I'm actually i'll i'll I am willing to get with you on the Patterson breakout train. If it means that again, like who the hell saw Patterson being a thing? I tweeted about it. Give me, I'll take some credit here saying, Oh my God, Cordero Patterson is going to be a thing in like July. Uh, I'm all kidding. Especially aside. since
1: when when you consider the season Mike Davis had in Carolina in 2020
0: mm-hmm. uh, and just
1: the, how he in perfectly for Christian McCaffrey in like that pass catching running back role. And then he, you know, gets paid by Atlanta in the offseason. And you kind of expect that trend of production to carry over for the Falcons. And it, it just really, it, it didn't pan out. Patterson slides in, takes a starter role, and then runs with it. It was just kind of unexpected. And, you know, if, if you used your, your, your fab on him and really early in the season, you, you were pleasantly surprised. Obviously didn't show up in, in fantasy championship mm-hmm. week, but was pretty solid for – you know most of the most of the season mm-hmm.
0: he was rb9 by the end of the season i don't know let's say 234.6 points that would have placed him as the overall wide receiver let's see some math right here wide receivers 18 19 wide receiver 19 um I'll take Patterson on this. He was, came out of nowhere, like way more so than Samuel, at least with the possibility of Samuel. He played somewhat well last year, even though he did only play in seven games. So I'm willing to do Cordell Patterson here for breakout of the year. Luke Sawhook's nomination, only person to nominate him. So I guess we'll go with that. Sounds good? Sounds good to me. Now we got to switch to a negative note. <laughs> this one was fun. Bust of the year. You gotta, you gotta talk about the busts this year because there were plenty and it does kind of come down to your definition of a bust as did this variety of nominations. Five players to choose from Allen Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Mike Davis. So that's actually four. So I'm going to leave now because clearly I cannot count. (laughs) But yeah, so those were the guys. Uh, Any players already that stick out maybe you shouldn't be there
1: so when I was deciding on my nomination for this category I was kind of struggling with the criteria like you mm-hmm. mentioned it's it's it seems like all of our analysts on this panel have a different criteria of you know what to define a bust mm-hmm. so a lot of these players dealt with injuries throughout the season a lot of these players were symptoms of failed offenses and so, I mean, personally, I don't think it's really fair to cast the bust label on a, on a player that got injured or, uh, I mean, you know, a player that missed extended time uh, mm-hmm. just because I feel like that's part of football um, and that's, that's something that you just can't erase from the game and is unpredictable. And so it's hard to, it's hard to cast the bust label when that unpredictability is is like so apparent like a bust is is something where previous production or or hype is is consistent and then it just drops off the face of the earth right Mm -hmm. and so that's why i think for me my fantasy bust of the year is for sure Allen robinson here Mm -hmm. mostly because his former identity as this quarterback proof receiver um, with playing with blake bortles nick Foles, um you know it's just all the 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 history of quarterbacks he has dealt with and put up great numbers, fantasy relevant numbers has been basically tarnished. You could put Terry McLaurin in here too, because he really yeah. felt the after effects of unstable quarterback play. Um, and especially since he was drafted, you know, as a, in, in the wide receiver one slash two territory, Deandre Hopkins too, if we're factoring injuries into the mix, but he, once again, he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt. Cause he was, he was kind of banged up right. down the stretch. So for me, it's for me, it's Allen Robinson. You could definitely make the case for for injuries in the in this category, but and also Calvin Ridley too. Um, Calvin Ridley yeah. was our guy coming into this season. Yeah. He you know eventually you know decided to opt out of the season for for mental health reasons, and mm-hmm. you can't really blame him for that. So right. that's why I kind of am straying straying away from missing games equals mm-hmm. bust.
0: Well, it's interesting because. I'm tempted to do Alan Robinson as well, because he was god-awful. I agree with everything you said, but what if I told you that Alan Robinson missed more games than Saquon Barkley? Really? Alan Robinson missed five games. Saquon missed four games, which is interesting because off the top of my head, I wasn't aware of that. Either So looking at Saquon's numbers right now, he averaged 11.4 points. That's fine. But excluding the two mega performances he had in weeks three and week four and then week five, which he left early in from weeks 11 to 18. He did not play that well. But he also didn't play too poorly. It's just if you drafted him as your round one, early round two running back, you did not get that type of production. So while I agree with you about the injury stuff, and Allen Robinson drastically failed in that regard, I think based on ADP alone, because Saquon Barkley, again, was a top five, top six running back. Allen Robinson Mm. was a third to fourth round wide receiver, so you had a little more leeway with him, I think. Because if you drafted – again, if you drafted Christian McCaffrey, you probably got screwed because he only played like seven games. If you drafted Derrick Henry, you probably got screwed because he missed the second half of the season. If you drafted Saquon Barkley, you still could have kept him around. He missed five weeks, but one of them was a bye. Just like Allen Robinson, who also missed six weeks, one of them was a bye. So technically only four Mm -hmm. games. I think I'm actually going with Nate and Sam on this one and saying Saquon Barkley just based off of his ADP and the expected production. Where at least with Allen Robinson, that, that was kind of caked into his ADP. You're taking him in the fourth or fifth round. There's at least an expectation like he's not going to be so good for you. But with Barkley, that's a player you, you need to build your team around. If you drafted Saquon Barkley, your fantasy team probably stunk unless you hit on a Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup. So I think originally I came into this saying Robinson, I think the bigger profile is that Allen Robinson was the bust of the year, but looking at the numbers and the ADP coming into the season, I would actually go with Saquon. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the tried and true fantasy football saying is your fantasy draft isn't won in the first few rounds, but it can most certainly be lost. And mm-hmm. if you decided to take Saquon Barkley off an ACL tear, and with with what a top top three pick in the mm-hmm. of, in in your fantasy football draft, yep. then you most likely were struggling um, for options at running back right. down the stretch. So,
0: and I will say this for the people saying, well, maybe he played at least well enough during his the games he played. He was RB thirty four in points per game behind J D McKissick who played 11 games behind Devin Singletary who played 17 games behind Daryl Williams who also played 17 games just ahead of Michael Carter, AJ Dillon, and Tony Pollard. So that's the type of player you were getting if you drafted Saquon Barkley this year. So
1: So he was like middling in the leech territory of running backs.
0: Yup. Exactly. Like maybe there's a little hype in there, but no, not really because he couldn't get many things going. In fact, Devontae Booker actually outscored him for like three or four straight weeks in fantasy. So yeah, I'm I mean, going with Saquon.
1: Hey, I'm just saying, Saquon Barkley was never Zach Cohen's start TDN start of the week. Devontae Booker was.
0: <laughs> I, I, that is true. I did say that. I think he dropped like nine, ten points that week too. So not terrible. We'll shoot for that. Um, I'm going to say with Barkley this one, are you – Do you make a stronger case for Robinson or you switch to the dark side?
1: I mean, I might change change sides. Allen Robinson was still pretty much a ghost, and you could count on him for that consistency. Saquon Barkley had a phenomenal rookie season, um, but I felt like he was was kind of a a risk going into the season with, with just like the injury track record. And so Allen Robinson has never really had that, that track record of disappearing over the course of the season. You can always kind of rely on him to be have the floor of a wide receiver too. With that looking at that wide receiver one uh, matchup based production, and so that's why I think it was it was kind of surprising to see a Rob just kind of fall off the face of the earth. There was risk coming in with Barkley into this draft, and I mean I, I said I would take Jonathan Taylor over him. Uh, in in fantasy football drafts which might have been a hot take at the at the start of the season but certainly looks fairly smart now so i think I'll, i think i'll stick with a rob from for my answer here just due to the due to the lack of consistency coming in from his previous seasons
0: mm-hmm. So Robinson, according to Fantasy Pros, was the 13th wide receiver drafted on average, just ahead of Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, and Cooper Cup, just behind CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans, and Terry McLaurin. So you could actually make the case that McLaurin was the bigger bust bust. than Allen Robinson, should we? completely stray from our nominations and then make it Terry McLaurin we can take a look at his stats because McLaurin played in every game he averaged Mm. uh five points more than Allen Robinson (laughs) he did have 27 points 30 points 25 points 21 points but for the most part like he wasn't giving you that consistent production but I don't think McLaurin had a bad season by any means he just definitely didn't play up to the par that's Everyone kind of expected, again, not necessarily for his fault. I think we can all agree he's a very talented receiver. But let's look at how Terry finished this year with our handy-dandy fantasy points tool. He was wide receiver 25, so drafted as wide receiver 10, finishes wide receiver 25. And then in terms of points per game, wide receiver 32. So not bad. Wide
1: receiver 3 drafted as a wide receiver 1.
0: Basically, mm-hmm. yep. Whereas Alan Robinson was drafted as a wide receiver too, and played like someone you can cut. Whereas Barkley, and this is interesting. I'm interesting. I'm kind of just talking through my my thought process now. I'd like to be unified, at least of what we say. Geez, I have to scroll all the way down for Saquon Barkley. My goodness, it really makes you think. Like, is he going to be someone who really can does even draft next year?
1: I mean, McLaurin was. He stayed healthy throughout the season. I feel like a large part of his, his production came in those chunk games, like towards the beginning of the season. And then he didn't really have anything after that. He dealt with pretty unstable quarterback play. He was still getting the targets. They just he, he wasn't converting them to you know a lot of a lot of yards receptions. Certainly wasn't a touchdown magnet this season. I, I think I'm honestly gonna stick with A-Rob over here because at least McLaurin was underwhelming. As someone you would have drafted to be your, your headlighting wide receiver on your roster, but he was still startable. I don't think you can make the same case for, for Robinson. Like Robinson, you could have probably cut three mm-hmm. quarters of the way through the season um, and picked up Amon Ross St. Brown, to be honest.
0: After further deliberation and debate, I think I will also cross over to the A-Rob side because, yes, while the value probably hurt you more with Saquon, there were still weeks where you could have started him. Like weeks 11 to 14, any one of those weeks you could have started him coming off a bye, and then you see 11.6 against Tampa, 9.3 against Philadelphia, very tough matchups. I'm playing Miami, 13.4. Tough matchup, fine. Then going to play the Chargers, an easy matchup, 18.5. So you probably could have started him. I, I'll i stay on Robinson for this. You, you've convinced me. The numbers have convinced Let's go. me again. Dave Kluge and Luke Sawhook, again, with their nominations for the win.
1: Hey, you said I'm sticking with the dark side. I'm welcoming you to the dark side, Jack.
0: <laughs> Especially literally because your background is much darker than mine. And you got the I feel
1: like I feel like Palatine right now. And I also, (laughs) you know, (laughs) might have the same raspy voice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you, you look like you look like you just came from like a Star Wars cosplay like thing. I don't I don't even know the correct terminology. But anyway, we can move on to our fantasy comeback player of the year, player who had a bad 2020. And a good 2021. Tried to stray away from injuries with this one, because obviously you could just say, like, Saquon Barkley, even if he did ball out this year, which he clearly did not. A lot of variety in the nominations. Debo Samuel is the only one who came up twice. Then you got Mike Williams, Zach Ertz, Joe Mixon, and Leonard Fournette. Joe Mixon, with parentheses, because of injury behind it. I think this could be the part where we say Debo Samuel. I'm not ready to crown Zach Ertz yet. Mike Williams kind of disappeared in the second half of the season. Leonard Fournette's an interesting one, though. He's an interesting one because I wrote him off before the season. And his ADP was like, you're taking him as like an RB4. He's probably going to be on your bench. And he was a top seven fantasy running back. He was really good. My thing with Debo Samuel, again, I think we kind of made the case already. Wide receiver three overall. Like, what did he do last season? He actually played relatively well, but he was also hurt. So it's like, okay, are we factoring injuries into this? Because I I could be open to that. I could be open. In the seven games he played last season, he averaged 11.53 points. Very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. He had seven points, four points, 18 points, 12 points, 24, 13, and less than one. Comes back this year, one of the best players in fantasy. So I think my fantasy comeback player of the year, if you're ready to crown Debo Samuel here, we can move on. Will we agree?
1: Yeah. I'm actually tempted to say Leonard Fournette just because of the way, like, his career arc has gone. Obviously, he turned it it up in the postseason of um, 2020. And then, you know, he wasn't really drafted as, like, that dependable, you know, RB1 after I mean, he he had two solid seasons in Jacksonville, but the management kind of soured on him, kind of like every player that has come out of, of Jacksonville <laughs> over the past few seasons. And <laughs> then he he wound up on this Bucks roster, fortunate Bucks roster that p- kind of put him in a timeshare with Ronald Jones, and then had that nice postseason stretch where he really established himself as the ball as the primary ball carrier for, for Tampa Bay. So even after that, I don't think people were really confident that Bruce Arians would give him the workload that he received this season. Mm-hmm. And and also like the pass catching role that he enjoyed this season as well. So I, I'm tempted to say Leonard Fournette, mostly just due to the stigma around around him. But it's it's really hard to discount Debo Samuel and, and just the price you were able to get him at in drafts. Because I, I think Debo Samuel w- was going undrafted in some leagues just because people you know, weren't really, un, weren't really all that sure about what his role was going to be in, in San Francisco. And it, it turned out to be a pretty unique role, but also the hype around Brandon Ayuk and, and his rookie season was definitely warranted. So Debo Samuel, if, if you were able to get Debo Samuel in double digit rounds of your fantasy draft, then you were pleasantly surprised. <laughs>
0: So according to Fantasy Pros ADP, which is average draft projection, of course, they were actually both taken around the same spot. Fournette typically taken like 10 or 11 picks before Mm. Debo Samuel. But I don't think that's like a big enough difference to really say, oh, that means like uh, Debo was a bigger value compared with Fournette. I think both clearly – brought their owners, their fantasy managers value leonard fournette was actually the wide the running back four in points per game whereas debo samuel while he finished as the overall wide receiver three in points per game he was also wide receiver three and uh, there were a couple of weeks it's so close like if 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 one of these players was not like did not ball out i would go with the other one this is this is probably the closest award category we've had so far Mm -hmm. there were a couple weeks where leonard fournette dipped below 10 points especially to start the season 10.9 11.6 and 6.4 and then he did miss week 16 and week 17 and of course week 18 but that's irrelevant he did miss Mm -hmm. week 16 and week 17 so if you had him And you rode the Fournette train all season long. Chances are he bailed on you, obviously involuntarily, when it mattered the most. So I think I'm going to go Samuel just because at least, at least when you needed him, Samuel was there because he balled out in the fantasy playoffs. You could definitely make a case for Fournette. If Samuel sucked this year, I think Fournette would be the clear answer. I'm going to go with Debo Samuel and agree with two of our guests.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Debo too, and I guess for me, those last two weeks really do hold a lot of weight to them.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, because obviously, those are the two most important weeks. Like you, you've rode your studs the entire way to the fantasy championship, and the worst thing that can happen, like this, was my gripe with Julio Jones is he'd be great during the regular season, but those last two weeks <laughs> of the season, you, it was just kind of a toss up of whether he was going to fade. for for fantasy championship and and for the fantasy playoffs so right yeah Leonard Fournette being on IR for those last two games certainly didn't didn't help you a lot in in trying to bring glory this season and and Debo Samuel like you said he's been just a model of consistency and, and high profile production
0: exactly so we'll give Debo Samuel fantasy comeback player of the year we still got MVP for this season We also asked our guests to predict next season's MVP. But before we get to all those with a couple breaks in between, we got to talk about the second half savior came up with that on my own. I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, proud of that. To be honest, second half savior is someone who started off slow and finished strong. Another category with a lot of variety. We got two for Rashad Penny one for Zach Ertz, one for George Kittle, one for Amon Ross St. Brown, and one for Hunter Renfro. I will say, I'm looking at the numbers right now. From weeks 9 to 18, I guess we'll consider that the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a couple weeks before the playoffs, you get the playoffs, and then you can forget week 18, which I'm actually going to take out of this database, courtesy of Mm 444football.com. I will say, that the wide receiver, let me see, wide receiver six in that time was Hunter Renfro. It was Hunter Renfro. Wide receiver eight was Amon Ross St. Brown. But if you take out weeks nine and 10 and just go 11 and 17, that changes a bit because Amon Ross St. Brown vaults up to four. But that's not even me looking at the running backs. So let's see what those numbers are real quick. From weeks 11 to 17, Rashad Penny running back nine with 15.7 points per game. So it's that's pretty in. good. Amon Ra though, 19.6 Renfro 16.7, but that's week's 11 to 17. So any thing that stick out, I didn't even look at the tight ends. Maybe I should look at the tight ends. Cause Zach Ertz has been balling. He has been balling. Uh, Probably came on a little bit too late, though. Tight end seven, averaging 13 points per game. Yeah, I think game. so.
1: Earth probably isn't in the conversation for me. Penny's, Penny's interesting, but I just feel like he wasn't – he was relevant for fantasy playoffs, but I think he wasn't going to win you um, – he, he wasn't going to, like, vault you in, in the playoffs if you are a team in the hunt. You know, like, I think it was just a little bit too late for, for Penny to, to come on and
0: that's fair, you know, kind of
1: salvage the Seahawks. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's between those wide receivers It's between Renfro and, and St. Brown and Renfro was really consistent, but I just don't think he had like the flair and like the, <laughs> you know, the pomp and circumstance that was the Amon Ross St. Brown second half breakout. Like, I think that was truly special. I mean, he was, he was a player that really delivered in the fancy playoffs in fantasy championship with what two 20 point performances Mm -hmm. over that span. And, and for someone that you got off waivers only a few weeks ago, immediately plug into your starting lineups. I mean, that's, that, that's truly special right there. And so that's why I think Amon Ra takes the cake for me here. Mm
0: -hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown was the wide receiver too. clearly from week 13 on, he scored a whopping whopping 24.8 points in week 13 then went 15 ish 23 ish 26 35 ish and 26 ish i do that is a good point because hunter renfro did finish really strong but he also was a player who was on most fantasy leagues radars coming into that like he had a pretty well-rounded season like yeah he had not been
1: like 40 percent rostered by the time like he truly was like popping off and Amon Ra was just completely irrelevant. Um, I mean, he might've started the season on, on rosters, but I mean, through the first five to six weeks, he really wasn't doing much. And so he was pretty easy cut candidate for whoever was, you know, a a waiver, a waiver wire target. So Amon Ra was probably more readily available um, and plus, I, I think Renfro before that was, you know, had had a few touchdowns, was was producing in some caliber. Um, and I think Derek Carr was was dealing during that span, too. So Renfro was probably on at, at around half of those rosters and, and, and more reasons for why Amon Ra should be, you know, the, the player to win the award here.
0: I'll go the sun god with you. I'll go Amon Ra. I just want to point this out. How early would you
1: take him? Next
0: season, uh, it really depends because I do think he's going to get a little bit of a bump down when the Lions add competition. But Amon Ra's role like he played the fourth highest percent of slot rates among all eligible receivers in the entire league, so he was seeing a lot of work in the slot, which means they can bring in other receivers and he can still have a role in that offense, especially with Jared Noodlearm Goff throwing him the ball. So I would, I would yeah, probably might help him yeah exactly like take the competition off of him i would be entertained with him as my wide receiver too we'll see where that takes me what that means i think i'd rather have a couple star players elsewhere like a running back or a tight end on my team first before i take one i will say this this is funny he's gonna love this so our guests again dave kluge luke Sawhook, jamie eisner nathan Yankee, jack miller sam Hoppen, who have all been on the show at one point or another throughout the season it's been awesome to have them so grateful that they could uh answer my dms again (laughs) i'm just kidding it's so great (laughs) that they were willing to send in some nominations for this show so uh, four players four guests nominated jamar chase for rookie of the year one of them was not luke Sawhook. he gave nachi harris every other category we have picked luke's nomination Debo Samuel, Allen Robinson. Wait, not Debo Samuel, Cordero Patterson, sorry. Oh yeah. And Debo Samuel for fantasy it's comeback it's player of the student year.
1: Fantasy football analyst mentality. We're, <laughs> we're just a conglomerate, okay?
0: <laughs> you, know, we all we, think like, you just gave us a Monros St. Brown, too. So there's that. I also asked a few of them for their biggest fantasy pet peeves. So we can discuss them right here. No need to vote in them. I just thought it's funny. Uh, Dave and Luke said the same exact thing. They both said. <laughs> People that lowball in trade negotiations, which like I get because I used to be a lowballer, and my mindset was, well, like, see how see how poor you can get it, you know. And that's still kind of the mindset I have, because I don't want to offer my best players the players I think are in the best value right away. But I do think that now when I make trades, I am thinking more about their best interests rather than how I can fleece them. Of course, I'd want to win the trade, but like, I'm not thinking, man, like, they have one wide receiver. Let me take them for two scrubs, you know? I'm trying to help out their roster. But I get that because it can be pretty clear when you get a poverty trade offer from someone else, you know?
1: Yeah, trade negotiations are just kind of murky waters because <laughs> I think equally annoying is the person – um when you send a trade offer to one of your league mates and they just – Auto reject it and just say you're just trying to fleece me
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: just leave it at that Like don't even give a counter offer and you're like bro i'm trying to help you out here and and (laughs) i'm trying to upgrade my team as well
0: (laughs) this isn't very relatable to people listening but it's so true for me because nobody wants to make a deal with me like i think oh like i think you know more like which i do but i'm also like I'm not like I'm I'm trying to think how you would accept the offer too. And I, I did make two trades this year in my league after offering like many more, which helped me for sure. I turned down Robinson and Tyler Boyd into Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin, which saved oh, yeah, my season, nice saved my season. But I'm totally with you on that. People just assuming that, Oh, cause we talk and we have big. Yeah. There's people
1: in my league that have just blacklisted each other
0: <laughs> for yeah. no
1: good reason. <laughs> And so I think that's that's pretty <laughs> annoying. Also, when you finally do agree on a trade and it goes to, you know, processing and it gets vetoed by your league mates because they don't, <laughs> they don't agree with it. Uh, or like, you know, maybe they have to play one of the members in the following weeks and they don't want to play those, those players that will be coming onto their roster like that the, trading in fantasy football can be a great time if it's abundant and if people are, are having fun with it and don't really take it all too seriously, but it can quickly spiral out of control if a lot of people oh, are, are too controlling.
0: I got to, I got to pull up a trade offer real quick because we had this issue and I've always been one of, well, I think vetoing's fine because if there's clearly a bad trade, you should do, you should have that power, you know, but I also, because I don't think like, like two people can easily just like upheave a league with a bad trade upheave two rosters. So I think there should be some checks and balances. I'm not, but if it's like in 12 team league, like more than the majority, I'm talking like eight, at least votes, you know, I need to, what I need to find right now is one of the trades in my league because this, this trade caused quite the uproar in <laughs> my fantasy league. If I can find it which I don't know if I'll be able to in time, but it was essentially, it was a highway robbery. Here it is. You ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah. So at the time, this team was perceived as one of the worst, and they actually went on a pretty decent run. Had they checked their roster, like, more than they did, they probably could have made the playoffs. Traded to a team that I think was one in five and then ended up winning out to make the playoffs. So props to them. That team traded for George Kittle and Stephon Diggs. And in return, gave up Marquez Calloway and Damian Williams. Oh my gosh. And are you, would you veto that? Or would you say you're just going to have to let that go? Because I, I vetoed it, but nobody, not a lot of other people did. Would you would think more people, that's another pet peeve of mine. You would think if you're putting money, real money into a league, you'd probably want to check what's going on in the league because a lot of people were complaining about this after the fact, you know? So would you have not vetoed that?
1: No, I mean if if it's like a single season trade, I just don't think it's it's worth vetoing. If it's like if it's like a dynasty fleece where somebody gets like a hall of draft picks and premier players for a bunch of bench riders, then that's where it starts to get a little bit uh, puzzling. I think, okay. I think vetoes should only really be used in like a dynasty setting where it has long-term repercussions. But if it's just like a, a season to season league and someone wants to just blow up their roster because either they're not like interested in fantasy that year, or they're already like bottom of the league and they can't really, if there's collusion going on, then you might have to step in. But I mean, if it's like, they're just trying to have fun with the roster, then I don't, I don't really see a reason.
0: That's interesting because I feel like I would have more inclination to veto or to not veto, sorry, in Dynasty because you could have a completely different uh, projection of a player. Like, let's say like that was the, like a Marquez Callaway for George Kittle, right? You could think Calloway becomes a beast and Kittle just falls off the face of the earth. Totally fine in a Dynasty. So that's my take and um, your take, of course, on Vito. And one last thing I want to get to before we get to our – your close-up, your surprise close-up, some MVP talk, and then some hot takes sent in by the fans of the show. Jamie Eisner, we kind of already touched on it. His big pet peeve, leagues that play into week 18. Just had to get that out 2022,
1: and we're still doing it for some reason.
0: Why? Why is this a thing? I don't know. Don't know. It was weird playing in week 17 this year. It felt weird saying that, but obviously you should be playing into week 17. And with that, my friend – you have something you need to get off your chest. You didn't tell me what it is. If it is based off of your Twitter and recent hours and recent days, I could see where it is going, but I am also curious just to see what you're going to say. So floor is yours, my friend. Cole's close up, everybody.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's another short and sweet one. And usually for for Cole's close-up, we like to examine and do really like in-depth, deep dives into players' stats or trends and what their potential is. But I mean, for this week, I just like to zero in on somebody that has grinded, planned, scheduled, researched for 18 straight weeks, 19 straight weeks now, um, scrounged for every little fantasy football nugget, and that's my co-host right here, Zach
0: Cohen. Oh, oh, come
1: we on! Energy every show as like a honestly a perfect compliment to like my more methodical low-key personality. And I knew from the moment you called me over the summer that this was going to be special, special. And I'm, I'm glad we, we went through with it, stay consistent, enjoyed a fruitful season of fantasy football creation. there's been a a lot of good times on the breakout football podcast. And I think that a lot of that has, has been due to your direction and, uh, pitching this idea to me and i've had a uh, have had a blast so cheers to you man
0: oh you you flatter me you flatter me i i appreciate that man like i knew i knew like right like i was introduced to you over the summer via the wonderful world of twitter and i saw all your stuff and i'm like man like this is someone i want to meet this is someone that could be cool to work with down the road and then this opportunity popped up and it has been awesome working with you man just aside from all the knowledge that you possess just bring in like just another another fun person to talk with like, i consider you a friend now and i think that's been great that this podcast has been able to bring us together so to many more i appreciate that enough about us though let's talk about the 2021 fantasy MVP. Ironically, this is arguably the biggest award to give. I got two names, two names. Every single person except for one said Cooper cup. We did get a Jonathan Taylor nomination. You can make the case. Yes. That Taylor uh, did play better than Cooper cup, I guess because you're talking about the RB one versus the wide receiver one again, all in PPR formats in case you couldn't tell. That's how we do it on the Breakout Football Podcast, sponsored by Link Me, L I N K M E. But to me, it's pretty easily Cup, just based on his ADP, just based on his ADP alone. Like we're talking about a receiver who yeah. was drafted in maybe round four, round five. Jonathan Taylor was a first-round pick in some leagues. So for as great as he has been, to me, it seems pretty easy fantasy MVP for 2021. Cooper Cup, send it in.
1: Yeah, and, and he likely might not have been even drafted as the number one wide receiver on his own team for this season as well. So, I mean, obviously Woods got injured, but for the first half of the season, like, you, you I mean, you could have made, made the case that Robert Woods was, you know, the, the better Rams receiver and, and took him in the, you know, third or fourth round of your, your fantasy draft wherever he went. And so, yeah, I mean, once again, like I said before in the podcast, I kind of expected Jonathan Taylor to compete at, like, the top, you know, running back fantasy performers every single season, you know, give him his rookie year, give him time to figure it out. But over the next, you know, three or four seasons, I expect him to be in, like, that upper echelon of running backs, that top five, top ten range that will provide running back one value for – you know the greater part of the next half decade, and so I expected Jonathan Taylor to to be like in in that realm. I don't think I ever expected Cooper Cup to really break the mold of of Sean McVay's offense, and you know McVay likes to spread the ball around. Like he he has a bunch of playmakers in his offense that he likes to utilize and make the most of, and it kind of seems like there's a healthy balance of of workload that everyone gets on on the Rams offense, and Cup just. <laughs> took his target share to an entirely new dimension this season
0: yeah i if i've learned anything it is that i loved jonathan taylor in college i loved cooper cup in college and i just kind of wish like i stuck to my gut a little bit more because at the beginning of the off season last season i was like man i love jonathan taylor this year i love cooper cup this year albeit not to the same extent i don't think i cooled on them necessarily coming into the season i just think it's like they weren't i wasn't preaching any of them as my guys cooper cup was and i, I went back and like looked through all my old tweets a couple nights ago and like my old fantasy cheat sheet which i'll probably bring to light at some point because it is pretty funny cooper cup was one of my targets but he wasn't one of my like top three guys you must have coming. Yeah, it wasn't this a season. guy
1: like you were pounding the table for
0: tj right? hawkinson who yeah. did finish i don't know if you asked me who Completely it was yeah, Calvin. Really well. He could. He could ball wherever he plays next season. Uh, TJ Hawkinson did finish as like tight end six in points per game. So I'll take like that. Not but that either. hard to do, though. Yeah, yeah. It's really not. <laughs> Thanks for that. It's really not that hard to do. Kyle uh,
1: Pitts had like the best rookie tight end season for fantasy and in real life (laughs) it didn't even really seem like it
0: (laughs) you know it was a disappointment it's the best disappointing season I have ever seen from a player Kyle Pitts best disappointment I I don't like I don't get it I don't get it you know it's a quote um a certain character from Spider-Man if you expect Spider-Man No Way Home of course if you expect disappointment you will never be disappointed I kind of live by that. So Gruber Cup, our 2021 fantasy MVP. Speaking of expectations, before we round it out with some spicy hot takes, next year's fantasy MVP. Why not just have the guys, the guests, send in their predictions for next year's fantasy MVP. We got five different players, Justin Fields, Javante Williams, Austin Eckler, Justin Jefferson, and AJ Dillon. Any names that immediately jump out? I don't think we don't have to crown a winner for this. We could just talk about them if you want.
1: Justin Fields. I mean, Dave's <laughs> Dave's kind of ratchet for this one because I don't even know if Robinson's <laughs> gonna be, you know, with the Bears next season. I think he's gonna he's <laughs> gonna go to the highest bidder in free agency, which honestly might not even be that high after mm-hmm. coming off his down year. I think Javante Williams is solid. Austin Eckler, like his, his role is pretty stable in. And Los Angeles, and I think that Chargers offense is only going to continue to evolve and be more explosive in in these years to come. And and Justin Jefferson, uh, also a good good take. For me, I'm looking at DeAndre Swift and Jalen Waddle because I think Ooh. I think Swift his season was a little bit derailed with a running back by committee approach, and and mostly that was due to you know him nursing some injuries and you know, really, you know, not getting the workload because of that. But I mean, he had 50 receptions on the season. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I just think his, his role could be so much more expanded in Detroit um, year two of, of, of golf and all those dump off passes. I, I think he could really, you know, take the reins and, and run with it next season. And, and Jalen Waddle, I tweeted about him, you know, a, an hour ago, but he's so valuable to the Dolphins right now and and just his his ability to to spark the passing offense and and really be a safety blanket for Tua and he's being used in like a Jarvis Lantry type role and I think that role is is really shortcutting his potential and I think uh, there's so much more that he could be doing in in that offense and we might see like that deeble Samuel ascension from Jalen Lotto next season like his Mm -hmm. his pace to start next season is going to be absolutely blazing. And no matter where you take him in the draft, I think he's going to shoot that ADP.
0: I love that. I love that. Like, I, you, I agree with everything you say, uh, especially with the factor of you don't know who's going to be the head coach. So is there the possibility that the new coach in Miami comes in and says, listen, we don't really want to use waddle that way for worse. Yes. But looking at what Waddle did, you kind of be crazy to come into Miami and change things, at least dial it back. You want to dial it up. Waddle has that skill set. He has that field stretching ability. I don't know if two is a quarterback to make him ascend to that level, but he's talented enough. He's so talented enough. Uh, I think I love Justin Jefferson. I don't know if he'll be the fantasy MVP because I think he could be a first round pick. Honestly, definitely a second round pick. I know he, I know in, in, Jamie Eisner's too early mock draft on TDN right now, Justin Jefferson, I believe is a low first round pick. Eckler is a high first round pick. So I don't know if I'd want to hmm. say he's the MVP when he could easily be a top five pick.
1: If Adam Thielen departs, does does that change your take at all?
0: Yeah, I would putting more stock into jefferson i like kj mm-hmm. osborne i think he could be a fine wide receiver I like osborne. Too. get her smith back hopefully dalvin cook's healthy maybe a new coach is there to be able to maximize kirk cousins i don't know if that's possible i i i could justin jefferson could win you guys some leagues next year but i think for where he will probably be drafted you, you want to kind of reel back and say well we can see that happening whereas we're a true MVP, like a cooper cup like he won leagues he won leagues not just because like J- justin jefferson or jonathan taylor i guess using this year's example you took jonathan taylor with the expectation that he would win you your leagues you didn't draft cooper cup thinking he would be the keystone of your fantasy team maybe you foresaw him being a wide receiver one, like I did, like I tweeted before the season, but I, like I did in so many others, we didn't expect him to be one of the best fantasy players of the last decade. So I think that's where I'm at with Jefferson. I don't see him being like a Cooper Cup type or not even like close, but I think he'll be very good for where we expect him to be. With Justin Fields, there's a lot of room for quarterbacks next season to – be the fantasy MVP because you think about how many good quarterbacks there were this year, how many bad quarterbacks there were this year who still have potential going into next season. I'm not a fan of Zach Wilson, but, like, he made some plays sometime. Could it be him? Trey Lance barely played. Justin Fields didn't play the whole season. Maybe Trevor Lawrence finally gets a good coach. They're all so talented. Like, those could be the guys you take a flyer on in the second half of your drafts in 2022, and they're the ones carrying your team to victory. So, I would – I like the Fields pick, actually, whether – it's Brian Flores or Doug Peterson or Mike McDaniel, whoever is coaching Chicago in 2022.
1: Yeah, I just want Fields to have a little bit more weapons around him, <laughs> a little bit more comfortable about, you know, hedging myself on like, oh, he's he's going to be the fantasy MVP next season. Yeah, but I I mean I could see it. I I was a big fan of Fields coming out of college. I think he's a perfect fit for the Bears franchise. Yeah, I just wish he had a little bit you know a little a player more prominent to throw to because i think robinson's gone
0: mm-hmm. and if robinson does leave that leaves darnell mooney as the wide receiver one potentially i think he could be the guy who could be the breakout the fantasy mvp i love darnell mooney especially if he becomes a wide receiver one in chicago so with that we will move to what is normally our fan q and a changed it up a little bit this week because we wanted to get some hot takes mostly just based on the playoffs. And boy, they did not disappoint. We won't spend too much time on each of them, just like initial thoughts. This first one coming from, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this. Uh, Sluketic, S-L-U-K-E-T-I-C-13, hot take. Eagles beat the Buccaneers. Hmm. I don't know about that. Mm, I don't know.
1: I can see it. Like, I feel like the Buccaneers have kind of limped their way here after kind of like a rough last fourth of the season. Um, I, I mean, I could see it. Devontae Smith, he shows up in the playoffs, right? We've seen that over his tenure at, at Alabama. Um, and, and Jalen Hurts, uh, he he could he could turn it up for sure. Jalen I just Hurts. think Tom Brady is is a tough is – is really tough to beat in, the, in <laughs> yeah. the playoffs, right? No matter who he's
0: throwing to. Uh-huh. Hot take. Tom Brady's good. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see it. Jalen Hurts has been balling, but I, you know, it really comes down to like, would the Bucks be the one like causing themselves to lose or would the Eagles just have to turn it up? Cause I don't think the Eagles could keep up with the Buccaneers when they're playing at least like 75% of what they normally play at. Next hot take from TV lures. It might've been Tyler's honestly, it might've cut off Uh 2020 uh, Tyler's 22. Hot take: Niners are hot right now and are making the NFC Championship at least.
1: Oh what? boy,
0: what?
1: that's pretty scorching, in my opinion.
0: Mm. The, the path
1: for one. an AFC team versus an NFC team, like a like a wild card, <laughs> it's kind of brutal in the NFC. Not gonna lie, like <laughs> that conference is so stacked and. I, I just think there are much better NFC teams and like the Niners have some good players, but they've been inconsistent at times. And I, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's a wizard, but I, I just think making the NFC championship at the minimum
0: mm-hmm. is,
1: is kind of a that that's kind of ambitious. <laughs>
0: I had Niners fans at my throat when I said put them in the unlikely tier of my Super Bowl contenders along with the Steelers, Raiders, and the Eagles because I didn't think either of those four teams have a good shot at making the Super Bowl. Obviously, every team has a chance. Uh, Just for the record, before we get on to this next one because that one's even hotter, the Niners have played one, two, three, four – Five Super Bowl teams, um, playoff teams this year, but they've played them because of the division, because of the Cardinals and the Rams. The only times they've won playoff games this year were against the Rams both times and against the Bengals in overtime. They lost to the Titans. They lost to the Cardinals both times, and they lost to the Packers earlier in the season. Although I will say they didn't really get blown out too much a couple times, not the best, but they also never really dominated either i guess you could say the falcons game so i am i am questioning whether the niners can dominate but then again they are playing the cowboys and the cowboys could show up as the best team in football or the worst team in football the way they play that's that is so true yeah all right this next one we got three more Amari English Zira says Pittsburgh beats Kansas City.
1: Oh my gosh, that's even that's even more flammable. There's no way. Did you see Ben Roethlisberger's <laughs> comments? He, he seemed totally checked checked out. He's like, we're lucky to be here. Um, out of the 14 teams in the playoffs, we're definitely number 14. <laughs> we're not, <laughs> not making it far.
0: He said
1: that? He yes, said- Those are his comments. Those were his closing <laughs> comments at the end of his press conference. And obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he definitely said some of the words that I just said.
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, he's not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. Have to like that 14th my...
1: part? Like he's the, he, we're the 14th team out of the 14 teams in the playoffs. Like, word for word that's what he said
0: oh my goodness
1: so I mean Big Ben just seems kind of he just seems kind of eager to take his his retirement lap and ride off into the sunset and I think Patrick Patrick Mahomes is gonna give Pittsburgh a a pretty brutal send-off
0: you know I I do think that every single one of the first round matchups is a repeat from this season except uh Niners Cowboys but only reason i bring that up is because wasn't it like you know let's see december 26th wasn't it like three weeks ago when the chiefs spanked the steelers in arrowhead (laughs) like (laughs) hey if the steelers win amari we will i will revisit this i already told you i will come back to this comment if the steelers somehow win but my goodness that would need to happen if pigs fly i don't i don't know about that one this next one is hot but i can see the reasoning behind it it's from brewer v hot take got really specific on us too bangles beat the cowboys in the super bowl 34 to 27 hmm, hmm.
1: dang he's got to be a cowboys fan well <laughs> <Because, laughs> why do you say that because he thinks that the cowboys are going to make the super bowl but he knows that they'll probably find a way to choke it away <laughs> i like i like the bangles like the Bengals are hot yeah. right now and yeah, playoff, playoff Burrow and playoff Chase in like together on an NFL roster. Like, I could definitely see that duo, um, just being the story of the postseason. I mean, it already is kind of the story of the regular season, but I think they could really, really turn it up in the playoffs. And, like I said, like the playoff picture for the AFC is so much more nuanced than the playoff picture in the NFC. Like there's a lot more variety and leeway in the AFC than there is in the NFC. And I think the Bengals are a nice team, a sleeper team to, you know, beat everybody in their path and, and find themselves in the championship game and kind of like a 50, 50 draw for the, for the Super Bowl. Cowboys, not so much. I feel like there's a, yeah. Uh, a little bit, like if Micah Parsons just goes absolutely ballistic and just is terrorizing quarterbacks the entire way, then I could see it. Trayvon Diggs gets a few more picks. But I, I just think the Cowboys, when you look at their track record, they're, they're just so much more inconsistent compared to the rest of the teams like in, in their conference. And so that's why I think they have a, a tougher path. But I like the Bengals a lot. I think mm-hmm. the Bengals are a really sexy Super Bowl pick. Maybe not to win it, but definitely to make it.
0: Yeah, the Bengals are hot right now. I had a lot of people questioning why I had the Bengals as my conference championship favorites. You kind of just said it all for me. Plus, that defense is kind of underrated. Like, yeah,
1: I would agree with that. Like Trey
0: Hendrickson, Jesse Bates. Come on now, mm-hmm. they're good players.
1: I love Jesse Bates, and like oh, I said, yeah. like like safeties don't get their their due love. But has Ouzier, no. been good. William Jackson on the boundary. Like those are two uh, an underrated cornerback duo right there.
0: My thing with the Cowboys, before we get to our last one, by the way, again, like I said, like, they – when they play their best, like, they're pretty unstoppable, at least that offense is. My thing is – and a lot of Cowboys fans were bringing this up to me. Like, Dak just isn't playing, like, as well as he should be. Like, he, he's kind of been, like, the reason that this offense has been kind of shooting themselves in the foot of So Not something I've really noticed because I'm, I guess I'm more it on – the rest of the offense, too, but something to keep an eye on. Because if the Cowboys do make it to the Super Bowl, it means Dak Prescott's playing at an MVP well. level. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Last one from, oh, man, Odalamont19. I, I think I I think I got that. Uh Green Bay wins the Super, Super Bowl easily, wins all three games by more than one score. So he's saying it's not just a Green Bay Super Bowl. He's taking it to another level and huh. saying – Green Bay is going on a demolition path, absolute destruction.
1: What's their route to get there? Do you have a playoff picture pulled up?
0: I I don't. I wish I did. I wish I did. I mean, they're the one seed, so they're they everyone's coming through Lambo, whether they are or not. I mean, I don't like, know about
1: that. Just thinking about who Green Bay's played this season, like they barely beat the Cardinals. I I, I would expect their matchup against the Rams to be pretty competitive. Uh, mostly because, like, those teams match in offensive firepower mm-hmm. and have pretty stout defenses. So, I don't know about easily wins all three games by more than one score. I could see like one team <clears throat> surging ahead in the fourth quarter, and then that's the difference maker. But I think if Green Bay wants a Super Bowl appearance, they're going to need to grind for it just because of the stack nature of the NFC and just because a lot of the opponents they will face they will have already played in the regular season so there's film out there and and there's tendencies out there that teams will prepare for like for them and so i think no matter what the regular season record was between the teams that they played uh, in the regular season they're going to be a lot more prepared and know what to expect and and have a few more countermeasures that they can deploy in order to slow each other down.
0: Putting you on the spot here, what's your Super Bowl pick?
1: I like the Bengals as pick, but I don't. I think they fall short. I yep. just think I think the Chiefs are a really solid pick for the AFC as always. Yeah, um, I mean, like I, I just think like the Patriots are are a nice surprise this season, but. In, like, pound-for-pound matchup, I'd still take the Chiefs over them. So I think I'm going to lock in the Chiefs for the AFC pick. And then probably either the Rams or the Packers.
0: Okay. I will lock mine in at Packers-Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Packers to take this one. Obviously, I'm not saying they will. If I had to pick, though, that's what I'm doing. And if I had to pick any New app on the App Store to download it would be Link Me L <laughs> I N K M E. This has been our playoff, I guess, preview a little bit. I don't know, maybe, but more so, this has been our fantasy award show. Special thank you to our guests, Dave, Luke, Jamie, Nate, Jack, and Sam. Again, we'll have some more guests on during the They're playoffs. They're all stars
1: in their own right.
0: Yeah, yeah. The fact that they would help our little little podcast out means a lot for sure. Uh, we will have a lot more content coming in the next few weeks. We'll preview the playoffs, talk some DFS, talk some future dynasty. We'll have a little fun. And you can expect it all right here as the outro music is sending us off on the Breakout Football Podcast. I am Zach Cohen, FB on all social media. He is at Ham Analysis on all social media. Feel free to follow us, reach out to us, ask us questions, tell us how much we suck, whatever you want to do. Special shout out to Link Me for sponsoring. Special shout out to Bleed Podcast Network. And as always, special shout out to my main man, Cole Topham, who is sending us out ahead of wildcard weekend everyone have a great and safe wildcard weekend
1: yeah, i mean usually i'd say go catch some dubs this week but fantasy season's over so enjoy you know a nice relax relaxing break from the stress of setting your fantasy lives and just enjoy some postseason football it's it's going to be a crazy off or not offseason crazy postseason so lock it in everybody